Colossians chapter 2, the verse we will consider this afternoon is verse 8. Verse 8. Saints of God, this is the word of the Lord. Please give it your full attention. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. According to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word and now to the preaching of his word. You may be seated. If there's any verse, congregation, that speaks to our present time today and what we so desperately need to hear is going to be Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. What we need most, congregation, in This life as we pilgrim to our heavenly home is courage. In light of all the various things that are being forced down our throats to believe, we need courage to maintain and to stand firm and to stand on what we believe. Some might say that the word of God is not relevant for our lives today, but saints of God, here we see in verse 8, That what was going on in Paul's day, in the Church of Colossae's day, very much is what's going on in our time today. That we are never to think that what's happening in the situations that happened in the Word of God, specifically in Paul's letters, that we ourselves in the church here, in this day and age, cannot relate Here in verse 8, congregation, we have the great marching orders for us as we journey and pilgrim to the new heavens and the new earth. Here, as soldiers in this spiritual war that we currently are in, St. Paul tells us two things. Number one, deception is real. And number two, clean, remain Hold fast to Jesus Christ. As we come to verse 8 of Colossians 2, we finally see the conflict and troubles that were plaguing the church in Colossae. Here we see the reason St. Paul says that he wishes he would be with them in person rather than apart from them. False teaching has corrupted or has crept into the church in Colossae. And here St. Paul warns and encourages these Christians To not fall into deception. Don't fall into deception, but remain steadfast in what they have believed. This text congregation teaches us that although true believers can't finally fall away from the faith, true believers will never finally fall away from the faith. The Lord will keep you. However, true believers can for a time fall into deception. True believers can for a time fall into deception. Think of St. Peter. Do you remember Christ asking those, or rather asking that one question, and in reality is the question of all questions. He said unto them, "But But who do you yourselves say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, 
Blessed are you, Simon Marjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Here we see one of St. Peter's finest hours. He confesses what every true believer confesses. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But congregation, in the very same chapter, in the very next moments, notice how quickly St. Peter's mind is deceived. Verse 21 to 23. From that time, Jesus began to point out to the disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem to suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, scribes, to be killed, to be raised up on the third day. And yet Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block for me, or to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's purposes, but men's. Notice, saints of God, in just a few moments, in the very same chapter, St. Peter went from speaking the words that were given to him by God to speaking the words of Satan. In just a few moments, he declares the very words that were given to him by God. And then he's being used as an instrument of Satan, rebuking the Lord. Do you remember Paul's word to the elders in Acts 20 as he's going to depart? And now behold that I, I know that all of you among whom I went out about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of blood of all people. For I not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Then he says this. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now notice, if St. Paul, an apostle, tells the elders that there's some coming in that are going to try to create conflict, the elders, you would think, would say, okay, we will, we will be on guard. But notice, St. Paul says next in verse 30, and from among your own selves, men will arise from among your own selves, people in the congregation, even you yourself, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on alert. Here, St. Paul says, congregation, that deception is real. Deception is real. In fact, Amongst the many things we have learned from Pastor Antonio in the Sermons of Revelation is that deception is most definitely real. That Satan is most definitely walking around trying to devour us. Do you remember, congregation? Do you remember how the harlot comes to you? The harlot comes to you in the nicest of clothing, in the sweetest and most pleasant of fragrances, using Speech that is captivating, that is witty, in order to deceive and lure us away from Christ. To lure us away from what the Word of God says. To lure us away from what Orthodox Christianity has always taught. Saints of God, we are living in a time where deception is at an all-time high. Now, in the history of America, 
Vain philosophy and deception has always been among us. We're not saying that deception has never been present. But now, in the day that we are living in today, that vain philosophy and deception is now being forced upon us. It's now being forced upon us. The world now is redefining everything we know to be true. Everything we know to have an objective reality to it. And now we are being forced to believe their bad and evil ideas. The most sacred physical union that we know of, marriage between a biological man and a biological woman, is now being stripped away and turned into something unnatural. Women are now being told that they can play God. That they can have a say in whether the one who's in her womb should live or die. And they look to the traditions of men. What does science say? But science has an agenda too. What do the leading voices in biology say? But they have an agenda too. Even our identity congregation, even our identity is being stripped from us. Where no longer we can refer to people as him or her, but rather they or them. And if you don't refer to people in that way, then you will be seen as one who is not standing up for justice, who's not walking in love. Saints of God, the debates that we, the church, are currently in are, yes, ultimately religious, no doubt. We are in a spiritual warfare, but more specifically, the debates that we are in are a philosophical issue. Are a philosophical issue. And here St. Paul warns these Christians, and as I am warning you today, if you don't take anything from this sermon, or if you remember anything from this sermon, just remember this. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Like it or not, congregation, the world that you and I grew up in is no longer here. The universal knowledge of God's law and at least moral standard at least the acknowledgement that there is some sort of objective moral standard that we all must hold to is no longer present. And we, in living in 2023, we must be on guard. You must teach your children, most especially, to be on guard. If St. Peter can acknowledge the Lord in one moment and then in the next be used as an instrument of Satan then who's to say that we cannot succumb to such evil? If you don't raise your children right, congregation, they won't succumb to such evil. Let's consider this text, shall we? Again, St. Paul says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception in accordance with human tradition, in accordance with the elementary principles of the world, rather than in accordance with Christ. First, St. Paul says, Let no one take you captive through philosophy. What is philosophy, congregation? Philosophy, simply put, main aim is to clarify the questions that we ask. The moment you ask why, and you probe into the question of what is that, you are doing philosophy. You are doing philosophy. For example, if one asks, does God exist? 
the philosopher will need to ask, what or who is God? And then clarify what existing means. What does it mean to exist? And then after that, clarify, well, what does it mean for God to exist? So philosophy is mainly asking, desiring a deep understanding of the world that we live in. Asking the question, why? And within philosophy, there are a number of species. You might have taken classes in, in, in a number of these. There's a philosophy of ethics. There we answer the question of right or wrong. There's the philosophy of metaphysics. There we answer the question of being. There's a philosophy of epistemology where we ask the question, what, what does it really mean to know something? And how do we know something? There's much more we can say, and as we come to our text, some will read this text and come to a wrong conclusion. In other words, many will interpret Paul to mean that all philosophy ought to be avoided. Again, the text says, congregation, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy. And they say, well... All philosophy, then, is to be thrown out. And the only thing that we are to trust is going to be the word of God. Many will say that the works of Plato, the works of Aristotle, that pagans who have observed the world, and what they have done is they have merely just written down the natural revelation of God. The things that God has given to man, that man can know apart from Scripture. We are to avoid those things. We are to avoid the works of Aristotle, the works of Plato. But here, congregation, St. Paul is not saying to avoid the works of philosophy in general. Just as, as a Christian, we don't say avoid all of theology in general because there's some bad theology out there. We don't say avoid religion in general because there's some bad religion out there. Here, St. Paul is saying, rather than avoiding philosophy in general, avoid bad philosophy. Avoid bad philosophy. Bad philosophy is to be avoided. Good philosophy is to be upheld because good philosophy is that which is in service to what not only the word of God says, but also how we do theology. You see, philosophy, and what the philosophers have said, good philosophers, it all comes underneath and alongside as a helpmate for us believers to interpret the word of God and for us to perform the task of theology. You need philosophy in order to Interpret the word of God. You need philosophy in order to interpret theology. Philosophy is that which God has given to us to know. And saints of God, we need to understand that there is good philosophy and there is bad philosophy. Quickly put, you might say, what's the difference between the two? How can I tell between good philosophy and bad philosophy? You already know. You already know, congregation. One way you can learn or know is by common sense. Common sense, meaning this. <clears throat> is it objectively wrong to kill? 
Is there an objective standard that we all are bound to? Good philosophy says yes. Bad philosophy says no. It's objective. Good philosophy says, and this is a little bit higher up, says that we can look at an object and we can abstract from that object what the thing is. But there's bad philosophy that says that we can't know what a thing is. We can't know what anything is. And here, St. Paul has in mind bad philosophy. And notice how he characterizes bad philosophy. He says it's empty. It's deceptive. It's in accordance with human tradition. It's in accordance with the elementary principles of the world. And in other words, what Paul is saying is there's some philosophy out there that's useless. There's some ideas out there, congregation, that are empty, that are deceptive, that are that are there to lead you astray. That there's some philosophy out there, congregation, that gets you nowhere. And here is where we see the issue of the day. Here is where we see the things that we go through in this world today and the things that are being pressed upon our minds to believe. The type of philosophy that St. Paul speaks of here in Colossians 2.8 is the very type of philosophy that is being pushed, that is being forced down our throats to believe. First, there's the philosophy of gay marriage and same-sex attraction. The common slogan is, love is love. They use arguments like, two people of the same sex that are attracted to one another, they, they can live peaceful and happy lives together. So what's the big deal? Or the con- common argument is, is, I was born this way. You may hear. The problem of congregation with same-sex attraction is a sermon in and of itself. But we can say that the issue with same-sex attraction is simply this, that it's not rooted in reality. It's not rooted in reality. Meaning those who practice the sin of same-sex attraction, they turn their inclinations and their experiences into who they are now. I'm inclined toward the same sex, or I had an experience at one time with the same sex, therefore now, this is who I am. I was born this way. Saints of God, our inclinations, our experiences do not define who we are. This is not reality. Because you had experience before of anger doesn't mean that you were born angry. Because you have an inclination towards something doesn't mean that now you define who you are, ontologically speaking, by that. That's not reality. That's a false world. But we can also say that gay marriage and same-sex attraction, it destroys the one thing that is most fundamental in this world. And that is human flourishing. Same-sex attraction, gay marriage destroys the family and the family life. It destroys human flourishing. Let's say, suppose a man can be with a man. Will we ever have babies? Let's suppose a woman can be with a woman. 
Will we ever have children? Same-sex attraction, saints of God. It destroys one of the ways in which the cultural and the godly mandate that we were given to be fruitful and multiply. It's an attack, congregation. It gets the very thing that we are to preserve. A man and a female coming together under the union of marriage to produce offspring. That is the problem, congregation, with gay marriage and same-sex attraction. It, it's not rooted in reality. And so many people who say that now I have freedom. I've come out and now I have freedom. No. You just no longer have shame. It's not that you don't have freedom, and that's not authentic freedom. It's that no longer do you have to live under a rock. But now I can live shame-free. And this is how the mind of Satan works. The shame of their sin becomes the pride of their sin. They take pride in it. We have now Pride Day and Pride Month. We have now celebrations in the streets. We wave flags that represent, in their minds, an unnatural order of things. A man being with a man and a woman being with a woman. Saints of God, do not be deceived. No matter how much you love someone, no matter how much you care for someone, do not be deceived. Then there's the philosophy of abortion, which denies the fundamental reality that at the moment of conception, the human embryo is a human being. That's the big question. If a human embryo is not a human being, then women can do whatever they want. But since the human embryo, at the very moment of conception, is a human being, then we are to treat that one at the moment of conception with the same value and dignity that we treat any other human being. Now they may say, but that human embryo, though, is not independent. It depends upon the woman for its life, or that it's not conscious enough. But saints of God, tell me a baby, even at one years old, that is independent. Show me a baby at one years old that is aware of who they are in the same manner that that baby will be aware when they're five, six, seven, and eight. Well, why can't we kill the baby at one then? Or maybe even one and a half or two. Congregation, just because that human embryo can't rationalize the way it will when it's older, and just because that human embryo can't be as independent as it will be when it's older, doesn't mean that that human embryo doesn't have all the principles it needs to be a human being. That that human embryo is not on its way to being human. It's a human being with a list of potentials. 
simply put congregation, the philosophy that's now being pushed as murder. It has no basis in reality, but is rooted in pure evil. Pure evil. Then there's a philosophy congregation of transgenderism. Transgenderism. And out of all the big social issues of the day, this is the one that detaches itself most from reality. Most from reality. Woman desiring to be a man and men desiring to be a woman. Much of this way of thinking can be accredited to just bad philosophy. Specifically the philosophy of Rene Descartes who said, I think, therefore I am. I think, therefore I am. Here in this famous quote lies the philosophy behind all of the rebellion that we see. For this way of thinking is an attack against reality, against what is really real. Where people now say that my sex doesn't determine my gender. That they make such a large distinction between sex and gender. They say that the gender that I was given at birth, which identifies me, with who I am, ontologically speaking, is not who I am. As, but it was, as it's been famously said, though, you can change your name from Frank to Sally, but you cannot change your sex. You cannot change your gender. Sex and gender congregation are not subjective. Hear me now. The lies that are being polluted and thrown out there. Sex and gender are not subjective. For example, it would be objectively wrong against me and against, you would look at me so strange if I said that I no longer identify as Mexican and Filipino, but now I want to be white. You would say that's very strange and it goes against reality. We'll simply put congregation. This is what transgenderism is doing. They're stripping away what is objectively true and what's deeply rooted in reality. First, biologically, saying that they can change themselves, but they can't. And then secondly, and most fundamentally, scripturally, Genesis chapter two, chapter 5, verse 2, he created them male and female, and he blessed them, and named them mankind on the day when they were created. The philosophy of transgenderism goes against the beauty and uniqueness of who we are. We were created in God's image. Congregation, you see the errors of these things. I didn't even, and I have here also false religions where their bad philosophy is rooted in you can do something in order to earn your way to God. We can even talk about atheism, which denies the supernatural realm. They deny that man cannot be supernaturally elevated to the divine life. That's the problem with atheism at a nutshell, that they're just simply here and now people. The foundation of the three big social issues of the day, abortion, same-sex attraction, and transgenderism, is deception. It's bad philosophy rooted in a false reality. Pastor Antonio talked about the cosmos being unrightly ordered. 
And that's what we see in this day and age today. That those who fall into this line of thinking and those who are even in this line of thinking congregation, they are unrightly ordered on two fronts. Number one, they're unrightly ordered in an unnatural way. That they can be with the same sex. That they can mutilate themselves in order to be the opposite sex. That they don't understand that at the moment of conception there is life. And then on the second front, supernaturally, supernaturally, they don't know God. They don't bow their knee to God. And let me tell you this right now. There's no such thing as a gay Christian. There's no such thing as a transgender Christian. Women, if you have in the past aborted your child, there's forgiveness. There's forgiveness. But a Christian and a true Christian does not abort their children. Just as those who have an experience in the past with these these two sins of transgenderism and and same-sex attraction, there's forgiveness. There's forgiveness. But no Christian will enter heaven. No Christian will enter heaven affirming and accepting this bad and evil philosophy because it goes against everything, congregation, that the Word of God says. Don't believe the lies. Don't believe the lies, saints. Don't believe the lies which says that gay and trans and pro-choice advocates are fighting for equality and justice. No, they're not. They're not fighting for equality. and They're not fighting for justice. Justice, strictly speaking, is for the common good. That's justice. Their fight is not for equality. Their fight is for their sin. Their fight is for their sin to be openly acknowledged and accepted and celebrated. That's what they're fighting for, congregation. Don't believe the lies, congregation, which say that that gay and transsexual and pro-choice advocates, that they and what they are fighting for is on par with what black people were fighting for during the civil rights era. No, it's not. They were fighting for years and years of oppression and slavery and the injustices that were brought upon them. These people are fighting for pronouns. They're not fighting for what they were fighting for. Don't believe the lies, congregation. Don't believe the lies that say that if we don't accept them, we don't love them. Don't believe that lie. That if we don't comply and celebrate with them, that we're against them and that we, we don't love them truly and that we, we don't want the best for them. <clears throat> Congregation, if you have people and if you know people who believe such bad philosophy, first and foremost, love them. Love them. Secondly, pray for them. See where they're coming from. So, you know, society has done a, a wrong job, and, and they know what they're doing. Because at a very early age, society puts this, 
this label that women have to be a certain way. And that men have to be a certain way. And a lot of times, from what I've read, the reason why a lot of people go left is because they, they feel like they can't, they can't get to that level. I can't be that beauty queen. And I can't be what they want me to be. Nevertheless, congregation, that doesn't mean that they sin. That doesn't mean that they rebel. We need to see where these people are coming from. We need to see their point of view and then gently speak them the truth and love and mercy. How then, congregation, are we to live in this world in light of what we see? How are we to live? Simply put, we are to live out the virtue of courage. We are to live out the virtue of courage. That's how we live in light of a, a world that is opposed to reality and Christian beliefs. We are to exercise the virtue of courage. You need that congregation. You need that in the world that we're living in today. You are being, in many ways, isolated. What you believe is being isolated as hate speech. Congregation, we need courage when we turn in, or rather when we tune in to our favorite television show and we see that there's an episode of a man wanting to be a woman. We need courage when we walk into our favorite store and we see that there's shirts made for little boys and girls that advocate same-sex attraction. We need courage for the culture congregation is trying to shove this evil down our throats. You see, congregation, the world, they're not telling us to merely be friendly and show love toward those who are gay, trans, and alike. But they want us to participate and celebrate in their evil philosophy. Don't just pat them on the back, but join in the fight. And saints, we need to be courageous. In a world that seeks to destroy the very objective truth that we stand on, which is the word of God, we need to be courageous. Saints of God, I can speak openly about this without fear now. But there may come a day when the government will come after us. But the government will come after us. There may come a day, congregation, when your job will come after you. If you do not comply to this world's bad philosophy. There may come a day when your child, when your best friend, when someone who you love deeply chooses to live such sinful lifestyle. Saints, be courageous and stand on the truth. Be courageous and stand on the truth. Don't fear the loss of popularity. Don't fear the loss of popularity for what you believe and what you say. For popularity and truth, they're not best friends. They're not best friends. And we need to be okay with that. But we have to ask, in closing, why ought we to be courageous? Why are we to be courageous? Courageous. Simply put, congregation, because we have Jesus. That is why. We have Jesus Christ. We have the gospel that still, in light of all the evil that I have put forth, in light of all the evil that you hear, it's still the best news. And it's still good news. 
And the gospel is still the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is still foolishness for those who are perishing. But for us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is the wisdom of God. We have Christ. We have the light of faith congregation. How great is your faith? St. Thomas Aquinas. And when I came across this, I was just floored. Now let me just put this in context real quick. Thomas Aquinas is... He wouldn't, be one to know, he wouldn't want to be known as a philosopher. He, he would want to be known as a theologian. But he did many works and commented on many works of Aristotle's philosophy and ethics and all that. He's greatly known for his philosophy. But notice, notice though, the great Thomas Aquinas, who wrote commentaries on Aristotle's metaphysics, he says this in a sermon. First, he enlightens the intellect or faith. This is the greatest teaching. Having a little bit of faith is more than knowing everything that all the philosophers in the world have known. Having a little bit of faith is greater than everything all the philosophers in the world have known. Why, saints of God? Because you have something that philosophy, or rather, you cannot, apart from grace, philosophize your way to. And that is Jesus Christ. Saints of God, we cherish the faith that we have. But also, knowledge is meant to be passed down. Knowledge is meant to be distributed. Wasn't this morning's sermon encouraging? Oh, but also sobering. That people will leave one bad place, the place of the dam, just to go to another bad place, the lake of fire. Saints of God, these people who I spoke of are in need of faith. They're in need of Jesus Christ. And we are to treat them at the end of the day in light of their sin with dignity and respect. Just as Pastor Antonio said this morning, encouraging us to, good, to do good deeds, they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And saints of God, we have that message. We have that message. We do not want these people who are not living in reality To go to the lake of fire. To hide the moment they see the judge and their creator. The reality is many of them will. But the reality is many of them won't. And saints of God, the Lord in his providence uses us as instruments to bring the good news of salvation. And we are to do that. We are to do that. We are to speak in truth. Or rather, we are to speak the truth in courage, in love, and mercy. And here, saints, St. Paul reminds us that in this day that we live in, cling on to Christ. Hold fast to what you have heard in the word of God. Don't be so naive. 
Don't think so much of yourself. Deception can happen to you for a season. Hold on to the word of God. And to those saints of God who are not holding on to the word of God, who believe such filth and garbage, we pray for them and we go preach to them. We pray for them and we go preach to them. Let's pray.